Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to have a safe place where we can get together, where people actually care about us, um, where we could smile, where we could laugh, we could cry together sometimes if that's what, what needs to be done. Uh, we can have fun, but Lord, more than anything, we can set aside the distractions. Uh, we can set aside uh, whatever, whatever is, is troubling us. We, you know, we can certainly find some people to comfort us, but we can, we can kind of just separate ourselves from what's going on in the world, and we can genuinely focus on you. Uh, Father, I pray that you would give us ears to hear the message tonight. Open our heart and mind to your word. Help us to understand. Help us to, to, to hear what you're saying, to, to, to see you, uh, Father, and to understand how that applies to our lives right here. Uh, there is a, a good message of hope tonight, Father, and I just pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive it and to hear your voice speaking to us. In Christ Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, you guys know who we're talking about, right? Who are we talking about? Moses. <laughs> Moses. Joe, do push-ups. Come on, show the kids how to do push-ups. Um, <laughs> uh, we're talking about Moses. We are on week six of, of our look at the life of Moses. And if you'll remember last week, we, 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 we kind of gotten to the point where uh, Moses and Aaron, they did what? They actually went uh, before Pharaoh. Uh, but the week before they went to the people, well, this time they went to Pharaoh the first time. And, of course, uh, God sent, and, hey, where's my slide, people? Come on now. If you want to do slides, you've got to keep up. God sent, Moses and Aaron went. That's exactly what happened. They showed up, and they made their requests known to Pharaoh. Now, God had told them in advance Pharaoh wasn't going to listen, and they kind of at least had some understanding, but they didn't understand the implications of what it meant for Pharaoh, for God to harden Pharaoh's heart, and Pharaoh to say no. All right? They didn't realize, they thought maybe he'd just say, I guess no, and that would be it. No, 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 that wasn't it. Pharaoh, uh, you know, God sent, and then in response, Pharaoh did some sending. In other words, uh, you know, God sent, he had the authority to do that. Pharaoh tried to put him and say, okay, you think you're, you're God that I don't know has authority? I've got some authority. So Pharaoh sent, and uh, the taskmasters, that's the slave drivers, they went, and misery followed. In other words, the people began uh, getting a, a harder burden. Uh, they were told, now you've got to make these bricks for all these structures that they were building for, for the Egyptians. And their slavery, and it, you know, you had to have certain ingredients to build the bricks. One of the ingredients was grain or, or grass, uh, hay bales, basically, uh, straw, whatever, however you want to look at it. And before the Egyptians provided that for them, and they had to, so let's say, you have to make a thousand bricks a day, and we'll give you the ingredients. And Pharaoh says, Well, apparently you're bored. And like I told you guys, don't ever look at your parents and say you're bored. They'll find you something to do. And in Pharaoh's mind, that's exactly what he was doing. He said, oh, you guys must be bored. You want to go worship your God? So I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you something extra to do. I want you to still make me a thousand bricks, but I want you to have to gather your ingredients too. I want you to go gather that straw. There was a punishment, and it was really hard on the people. They, they couldn't keep up, and when they couldn't keep up, the taskmasters were there to beat them. Really good times. And, and, and of course, uh, when that happens, uh, it's question time. Uh, the question uh, began with uh, the people, hey, uh, what's the deal, Moses? And it was really a question of Moses and Aaron's leadership. Look, since you guys came in and told us this stuff, we're getting punished 
for what, for, for, for where you taking this stand. What's the deal, Moses? Life's hard. I thought you said to come, you were coming to set us free, and now we got the man beating on our backs. What's, what, what's up with that? And then Moses is scratching his head because he's like, okay, Lord, you said that the, if I, you're hard and fair, but, but come on, man. What's, what's the deal, God? You told me that we were supposed to lead these people out, and now you've caused nothing but evil for these people. What's the issue, God? And of course, uh, God, we, we, we left it. We left purposefully with Moses asking questions. Saying, what is up? I don't understand your plan. And, uh, well, here, here, here's the question. Moses turns to the Lord, Exodus 5, 22-23. Moses turned to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. And that was the end of our lesson. And we talked about why uh, uh, sometimes God's plan looks a little different than our plan. And if you remember those two pictures of the cogs, and it looked like one was turning one way and, and one was turning the other, and we tend to get focused and we're like, God, this isn't making sense. But then when you zoom out, you see it's a watch, and it's all finely tuned, and God has ordered our steps. He is working in the situation to do exactly what he has promised to do from the very beginning, that he is working all things for good for those called according to his purpose. And it, just because we can't see it in our moment, there's a bigger picture, and we looked at that tapestry and all that different stuff and about trusting God even when it seems like things aren't going our way. And that's where we kind of left things off, and that's where we're going to pick things up today. God is going to respond to Moses' question. God, what's the deal here? You've done nothing but evil. This, nothing but bad has happened. We pick it up in Exodus chapter 6, and we're just going to do verses 1 through 9 here. The Lord says to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand, he will send them out, and with a strong hand, he will drive them out of this land. He's saying, they, he's going to send the Israelites out of this land. Watch what I'm going to do. And he says, uh, God spoke to Moses, and he said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, the Lord... I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. That is, I have remembered the promise I made to these guys. Say, therefore, to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. And I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not 
listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and the harsh slavery. So we look at this passage of Scripture, and you know we ended with, with Moses asking the question, Seriously, Lord, what's the deal? We've heard this question before from Moses, but he's asking it again. Lord, I don't understand. And, and, and the Lord's response, I love it. We go back to our good buddy Quill. The Lord says, I have spoken. I have spoken. I am the Lord. Why are you questioning my authority, Moses? I am the Lord. All right? And uh, apparently, Moses, you have an idea of me, but you do not understand what I say when I say I am the Lord. In other words, you, you think you know me, but you really, really, really don't have, you, you see this little chunk that you think you know who I am, but you have no concept of who you are dealing with, Moses. I am the Lord. And the Lord establishes right then and there, look, I am the Lord. I have the authority and I will carry out what I did. I am the same God back then that made these promises and I am going to fulfill these promises. And yeah, he takes the time to remind them of the promises. I, I promised this to Abraham. I promised this to Isaac. I promised this. You, they're going to take this land. And I have heard the affliction of the Israelites as they are oppressed in Egypt. I have heard their cries. And you will deliver this people. I am the Lord. Again, I have spoken. It is done. Do you know who you're talking to? He gives him the cry. You go tell the people that, Moses. And sure enough, man, Guess what Moses does? He actually does it. He does. Again, he's, I mean, he's, this guy's, he's, he may ask some questions. He asked some questions. He had some frustrations. But he did do what God called him to do. So once again, God says, you go to the people and you tell them this. I am the Lord has spoken. And so he goes. And what did the people respond with? Nope. Not hearing it, man. I do not want to hear what you have to say. I do not believe you. They are beating my back. I don't want to hear what you have to say, Moses. So, what does Mo how, does, how does God respond? I love this. Exodus chapter 6, verses 10 through 13. So the people are here. Just, just don't forget what the people are doing. And so, the Lord says to Moses, Now, Go in and tell Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, to let the people of Israel go out of his land. Now, I understand Moses has already been sent once, and he's saying, now I want you to, to go back there. Go back and talk to, you know, but get through the palace guard. They know who you are now. You're on their map. All right? You've already been there once, and you've already been, been shooed away once. I want you to go back now. So you, you've already gone and you've talked to Joe Biden and you said, Israel is my firstborn son, and if you don't let him go, I'm going to take your son. And Joe Biden said, you're crazy, and I'm going to enslave the people, and he sent you out, and now God's saying, now go back and go talk to Joe again. This is a pretty lofty command if you think about what, what, what's really going on here. He said, now you go back and talk to him again, Moses. Go back and you tell him, let the people go. 
And Moses says to the Lord, um, God, wait a minute. Behold, the, the people of Israel have not listened to me. In other words, they're standing there with their fingers in their ears. They're about done with this. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? I am of uncircumcised lips. But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, and he gave them a charge about the people of Israel and about Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He said to bring the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. So again, what does God say? He says, uh, go to Pharaoh, go back. Do it now. Get, 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 get going, Moses. And, and Moses' response, you know, go and, go and tell him, let my people go. And, you know, there, there we go. go. Go let them know. And Moses' response is, uh, excuse me, uh, the people aren't listening? What in the world? If the people won't even listen and I'm giving them the good news, that you're supposed that I'm supposed to tell him how in the world is Pharaoh who's already shooed me away once how am I supposed to tell that guy God what what and I love God's response to Moses's question it, it's a fair question would you would you have to agree I mean is is Moses talking ridiculous thoughts here if we're just thinking logically here it's a reasonable question there's nothing unreasonable about Moses. He's not being wimpy or anything else. This is a reasonable question. What in the world? They won't listen. How is that guy going to listen? He already threw me out. God, what are you talking about? And God's answer, just in case you missed it, is, uh, oh, yeah, go do it now. Get started today. He didn't answer Moses' question. He said, just, did you not, did you not hear what I said, Moses? Go Get going. Go talk to Pharaoh. And then, well, the text does something weird. And it's, it's kind of unexpected. All of a sudden, it's like, uh, time out. You know, I, I, uh, I, I put a picture of Wayno up there, good old Uncle Charlie. It's a curveball that strikes you out, you know what I mean, that you don't see coming. And, and the text throws us a little bit of a curve all of a sudden. It doesn't seem uh, that this should be there, but that's sure where it is. So we're going to get just a big chunk, and I'm going to read it fast because it's fun to read it fast. Because you only need to get a couple things out of this, so we'll, we'll do it together. It's Exodus chapter 6 verses 14 through 27, feel free to make fun of me as I try to pronounce everybody's names. But Ket, this, we got this whole drama built, and then all of a sudden we get this. Exodus 6, 14 through 27. These are the heads of their father's houses, the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, Hanak, Palu, Hezron, and Carmi. These are the clans of Reuben. The sons of Simeon are Jemiel, Jamin, Ohad, Jacob, Zohar, and Shial, the son of a Canaanite woman. These are the clans of Simeon. 
These are the names of the sons of Levi according to their generations. Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. The years of their life of Levi being 137 years. I'll just pause really quick. Did you notice how the years, I mean, there was a time when we were talking these big numbers, and they just keep getting smaller. The further away we get from the garden, the smaller the number gets. All right? And uh, life being 137 years. The sons of Gershon... Libni and Shimei by their clans, the sons of Kohath, Amron, Izar, Hebron, and Uziel, the years of the life of Kohath being 133 years. Now the sons of Merari, Meli, and Mushi, these are the clans of the Levites according to their generations. Amran took as his wife, Jochebed, his father's sister, and she bore him Aaron and Moses, the years of the life of Amran being 137 years. The sons of Azahar, Korah, Nepheg, and Zikri, the sons of Uziel, Mishael, Eliphon, and Sithri, Aaron took as his wife, Elisheba, the daughter of Amminadab, and the sister of Nashon, and she bore him Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. The sons of Korah, Aser, Elkanah, and Abiasath, and these are the clans of the Korahites. And Eleazar, Aaron's son, took as his wife one of the daughters of Pudiel, and she bore him Phinehas. These are the heads of the father's houses of the Levites by their clans. These are the Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, Bring out the people of Israel from the land of Egypt by their host. It was they who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, about bringing out the people of Israel from Egypt. This Moses and this Aaron. Now, but what's the, what? We got this whole story and this conflict and what's going to happen between Moses and Pharaoh? Is he going and then all of a sudden it's like, what? What? Why is this here? We look at things differently, you and I. All right, you and I in this room, most of us, I mean, can tell, most of us know who our parents are. Most of us, can get to our grandparents. There's some of us who can get to our great-grandparents, okay? There's some of us that can get to our great-great-grandparents, and we might have some idea of who that is. Most of us, I mean, if nothing else in our culture, if I don't know that, I, I take a DNA test, I go to Ancestry.com, and maybe I can get a picture of that. But let me tell you what they didn't have back then was Ancestry.com. a matter of fact, they didn't have picture albums. They didn't have any of this stuff. They kept track of their genealogy in these family trees verbally, they, by, by communicating it, and actually, like, paying attention to this sort of stuff. So, but even then, it's not just that it's a, a family tree that gets filled out. I mean, that's still, why is there a family tree here? What's the purpose of the family tree? Well, I'll, let me tell you, I'll give you the secret. The picture, I mean, for you and I, we've got the picture album. All right, and I can say, well, uh, here's my great-grandma, and here's my great-great-great, you know, and, and, and I go all the way back to this dude or this, this lady or whatever it is, and, and they didn't have that. And what they're really identifying, I mean, when we do that, we're, we're, we're finding someone's identity. Who is that person? So if, uh, okay, so my grandmother's maiden name is Doyle. Okay, we're my family, uh, fascinatingly enough, on both sides, come from England. And the Doyles, she says, if you go back far enough in the family tree, leads to Sir Arthur Doyle. 
He, you know, he wrote Sherlock Holmes. All right? And so I could say, oh, well, if I go here and I go here and I go here, it gets to this guy. And you know this guy. This, that's how you can connect this guy, you know? And what they're saying is, this guy and this guy and this guy. You know these guys because you're going back to your thing and they lead to this guy. It is this Aaron and this Moses from these families at this time in history. It's these specific guys. It's about who their identity is. They're Levites during this time. And you can go back and here's your Uncle Phineas and your blah, blah. And they're, it's the, they're identifying. They're saying, look, these are the guys you know. Do you understand this really happened? When I read in the New Testament and I read about Jesus and, and I read in like Matthew and Mark and they'll be like, the governor of this place and this place. Now to me, that does not mean a thing. I don't know those guys. I don't know who the governor of Caesarea was. However, the first people that read that, they knew exactly who that was. They said, oh my goodness, Joe Biden was in office at this time when COVID-19 first come on the scene and I can identify exactly when this happened. And I can start picturing exactly who was doing what. And it's the same thing. There's a time out here saying, okay, something's about to happen. And I want you to understand, this is this people, this time, this time. And here to me, it's awesome. It's identity. It's identity. This really happened in a real, real, real world. This is your Uncle Bill and your Uncle... This is real. This is not made up. This is not fantasy land. I always remember, Caden's going to get mad at me. I, I just remember him coming up to me a couple of years ago. It's been more than a couple of years now. And saying, whoa, 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 Dad. Are you telling me that Israel is a real, like this took place in the real world? Like, no, you got to understand, I love him. In his heart as a young man, he accepted that Jesus, he did not have to believe that it happened right here in the real world to believe that he put his trust in his Jesus. But when he understood, whoa, 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 this like happened here. All right, it's the same kind of, this happened here. This is real. Saying some made-up fantasy book. This, 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 is, this is the family. And they, the first readers of this, they understood exactly what that meant. Pick it back up. Exodus 6, 28-30. On the day, on the day, the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, he, look, he's just repeating, I am the Lord. You understand? I have spoken. It is done. It is finished. Do you know? I, I, he's the only one that can say it. I am the Lord. You tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, all that I say to you. But Moses said to the Lord, behold, what? I'm a man of uncircumcised lips. Uh, how will Pharaoh listen to me? Like, what? God, I got nothing here. What do you mean go tell Pharaoh? I got nothing. And we're back to, well, questions. How will Pharaoh listen to me? How? What in the world, God? This is what you're calling me to do? And it's a fair question, right? How? How, how is this supposed to happen? And it's, 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 you know, we go back to this idea that all Moses could see is the problem, and it looked like a mountain. His perspective, man, all he can see is, how am I supposed to conquer the, that thing? It's huge. But what he failed to understand is 
The, the one, the next slide. The guy that was calling him to do it was the God that put the mountain there to begin with. He was in control. Absolutely in control of the situation. And we can do that in our lives. You and I, we can get so hung up on our perspective that we lose sight of the bigger picture. Have you ever heard the phrase, make a mountain out of a molehill? Anybody? I know all the old people are with me. And it's good to see there's some young people that understood that. But if you've ever seen a little molehill in your yard, sometimes we can see our problems that in the grand scheme of things are so incredibly insignificant. They can seem so big to us, though, in the moment. Everybody in this room, you can think of some time, whether you were a little kid crying because your water gun broke or your PlayStation stopped working or whatever it was, where you thought you had this tremendous earth-shattering problem, but when you look back, you're like, really? That, that wasn't, <laughs> what was I thinking? We've all been there. That's making a mountain out of a molehill. Now, I'm not trying to diminish the monumental thing that God was calling Moses to do. It didn't matter, though. He was making a mountain out of a molehill because he did not recognize what was really in front of him. We're back to our cogs spinning, and, and he was so hung up. He was just so stuck in that picture of things that he could not understand what was really going on. The master at work in his plan. Next slide. Just working it all. This is all part of the plan, Moses. Just do what I'm asking you to do. I just want you to trust me. I just want you to trust me and do exactly what I've called you to do. You don't have to understand it. It's okay you ask your questions. That's okay. You trust me in spite of those questions. You remember, Moses was what? He was stuck looking at the wrong side of the tapestry. He was stuck over here, not understanding what God was doing on the other side. He wasn't there yet. And you're like, man, this is all the stuff you said last week. You're right. He's still doing it. He's still asking the questions. He is still. And man, oh man, this is the part that I wanted you to get tonight. Isn't it ironic? Like, it's really ironic you guys don't know that song. That's okay. Some of us old people do, middle-aged people. It is ironic because do you know who wrote this book? Now, God wrote the book. We'll get there in a second. But do you know who the person God used to write the book of Exodus was? That's right. Moses wrote this book. In other words, next slide. Now, I want you to think about that. Usually, when you and I tell our stories, what do we say? We talk about how great we were, and maybe we overcome some few. We genuinely, generally don't just like display all of our weaknesses and all of our doubts and all of our fears. And Moses is telling this story that God has called him to tell, and he's saying, look, I kept asking questions. I didn't get it. I didn't get it. I didn't get it. I kept asking God questions. He, he's putting a red flag. I mean, you got to understand, later in life, the Israelites are really, really going to put Moses in a real high stratosphere 
of human beings that have existed in this world. All right? When they look back at the scriptures, it's the law of Moses is how they refer to the Torah. All right? They put him at a, a pretty high... And, and Moses is saying, look, I asked lots of questions. I didn't get it. I didn't get it. I didn't get it. I'm a human being. Uh, it goes back to... And I keep saying that, that thing. I, you know, I, I like doing this pause. And most of you guys in this room have heard this before. But I want you to catch it again because of all the things the world is going to say to you, they're going to say dumb things like, you believe the Bible? Yeah, I believe the Bible. Why do you believe the Bible? Men wrote that. You know, Moses. Moses. And when you, look, when you hear that, you say, well, you're not quite right. Holy men, guided by the Holy Spirit, wrote that book. God wrote that book. He used men to do it. We go back to our picture. Up here, next. Look. If I use that blue crayon, it is a blue crayon. It looks like a blue crayon. I write on it. It looks different than the pencil. It looks different than that pencil. Some objects are sharp. Some objects are super pretty and clean. But if I look, if I look at a masterpiece of art, all right, if I look at Juan Van Eyck, I love this painting. You guys don't, you can't see close enough to see how genius this guy is. Not only does the guy have the reflection of the people, he's got like the reflection of the, it goes on forever. This guy is a genius painter. And if you so help me, look at this painting and you're like, way to go, color green. That is the best green. Did you see what you did, green? Oh, blue, you blew me away. That would be the dumbest possible thing in the world, right? You're not supposed to see. I mean, it's great that you see and recognize the masterful use of the colors. Green is not blue. They're different. You're supposed to see the artist. Yes, Moses wrote, but God used him. He used him. You're supposed to see the artist. You're not supposed to get lost in the color. Okay, that would be dumb. It's the artist. God is at work. He's communicating through his word. He's communicating through Moses. And Moses, is, is, as he's doing his faithful job of recording, what he is, he, the humility is because he's trying to say, I did not do this. God did this. Make Understand, I am the Lord. The Lord said he's going to do this. Every, Moses is like, I get zero credit. God did this. I just asked questions and halfway did what I was told. And I didn't understand what I was doing. And at break, the long list, hey, this is me like, it's, it's not some masterful Moses on a, no, no, it's a little weak, frail, didn't talk very well, Moses. Because the point is, it's not about me. It's about, it's not, it's not the little weak, it's not the little, little trouble, it's not the, the little small picture, it's not me. If you see me, you, you've missed the, the beautiful, the masterpiece. You've missed the creator behind it and the, and the design. Next slide, the, the, the big picture. Recognize him. See God at work in this situation. So, this week, boy, lots of time for small groups. Uh, what does Moses' story this week tell me about God? What should I get out of what we are seeing here? All right. One, again, God calls, he equips, and he is the source of power and authority for those he has called. God says, 
what, 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 what should I do, God? I am the Lord. You're going to do what I tell you to do, and you're able to do that because I've told you to do it, and I've empowered you to do it. So the answer to Moses' question is the same as it's been from his very first questions. I am the Lord. You have the authority that I've given you to go do what I've carried you out to do. And for everybody in this room, whatever God has called you to do, whatever that looks like in your life, it's not that you're so great. It's that he is so great. And if you can do it, if he's called you to do something amazing, so, you know, we've got a handful of students going to Ozark Christian College tomorrow. I can't wait. I'm super excited to take them down there. Look, yep, smile, Emma. That's right. You're one of those students. Look, uh, she just come back from High Hill, had the privilege of baptizing Presley last Sunday. Who did she got the privilege? Uh, I know, don't be so embarrassed, of, of baptizing Alexis. God, it is a big deal. Because God has called and equipped this woman that he is calling, that she is feeling that sense, that call to be a missionary. He is even now preparing her for something greater down the road, and she can do that, and she can go to Ozark Christian College and not be like, oh, I don't know if I belong. No, no, you belong here because he says you belong here. You're authorized to be there because he says. You're, he's going to equip you, and you're going to get to go, not because you're super, super great. I mean, I think you're great, but you know what I'm saying? Because he's great, and he's equipped you to do that. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. God is in control. He has absolute authority over his creation. He can harden Pharaoh's heart. He can, he can say, look, I make this promise. The reason he can make a promise like that and carry it out is because he's in control. He's got it. Uh, he has authority to make promises. He has the power to fulfill them. Again, why does he have it? Because he's, 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 he's God, man. God's plan can often be confusing and different than my plan. It was certainly confusing and different than Moses' plan. That's why Moses is standing around all the time saying, Huh? What? That's why the people are like, Whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't, because they don't understand. It's not the way they would plan it out on paper. All right? But God's carrying out his plan. And this is the thing this week that we added. God is very, 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 that's a lot of varies. That's three varies. He is very patient with his children. Moses was the instrument that God used to write Exodus and to write Genesis, to write Deuteronomy and Leviticus and Numbers. In other words, what I'm getting at is this was all after the fact. God didn't say, how dare you ask me a question? <laughs> that's, that's not how it worked. God ain't scared of our... God, he asked questions. They were good questions. And God just said, look, I understand you got a question. You just trust me and do what I'm telling you to do. Just trust me. What else? What else? So what, what's the point? Why does all of that matter to me today? Well, first and foremost, again, it means I can trust God and his plan no matter what the circumstances are and no matter my place. Whether I'm Joseph in prison, whether I'm, uh, you ever feel this way? Uh, I, I love it. Confused, lost, unsure, unclear, perplexed, disoriented, bewildered. I mean, do you think that Moses was there? He was standing at that intersection right there thinking, what in the world 
is going on here. Lord, what are you calling me to do? I can trust God then. I can trust God when my friends move on. I can trust, and, and, and even though I may not fully understand, man, really, God, that's my best friend. I don't want to see him move. That's all right. I can trust God then, and they can trust God then. I can trust God when my friend really moves on. You know, we're not going to get to see Adam this side of eternity any longer. But he is with the Father. Even in that, even in that, even in the hardest thing, I can trust God. It matters. Do you, do you see? This applies to you and I. When the news is crazy and the world looks like it's falling apart around me, whether it's my own little world at high school or it's watching the news. I know you guys love watching the news. <laughs> Getting on TikTok and seeing some crazy person tell you all kinds of crazy stuff, whatever that is for you, that's all right. I can trust no matter what is going on on the outside. I, that's just the little wheels. I can trust God is in control and that His promise still stands true. God is faithful to carry out the plans He has for our lives now and for the life yet to come. If God's plan is for you to stand on this stage as a minister at First Christian Church Union, mark my words, He'll make it happen. If God's plan is to go to Ozark Christian College, that's where you're going to be. That's what He's called you to do. He's going to make that happen. He's going to help you with that. I'm not saying that you don't have to work along the way. Absolutely. Moses had to work, but you understand God had, had control. God knows everything that's going to happen. He knows every choice we will ever make and every single circumstance we will ever face. We're not surprising God. God's not surprised. He knows what's going to happen. He, he, he's, that's why he spent so much time telling Moses in advance, look, this is what's going to happen. Now, Moses did not understand. In other words, he heard the words of God. This is going to happen, but he didn't understand the implications of what that really looked like. How could he? None of us could. Not picking on Moses because he didn't understand. I wouldn't have understood either. All right, not on this side of things. On the, on the back side, Moses got the picture, and we'll get to that at some point. All right, he is in control. He is ahead. In other words, Moses, this is what's going to happen. He is behind. He is back there when Moses was just a baby floating in a basket. God was taking care of Moses then. From eternity past, he's been taking care of us, all right? He's, he's had a plan. And, more, and, and then the, the most encouraging thing, maybe of all of those things, he is with us every single moment. He's playing from behind. He's, he's up ahead waiting for you. And he's right there with you, right in the middle of the mess, ordering our steps to accomplish his will in our lives. It's amazing. That is amazing. There's no place. That's what the psalm says. I love the psalmist, man. He, there is, there's no place I can go. You're there, God. There's no place. Are you sure you didn't say Sheol? Like, you go hide there? Yeah, I'm positive he did not say that, Joe. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's no place that you can go to separate. God is there. 
He is wherever you are. Just as God sent Moses to free the Israelites from slavery to Egypt, and the Israelites, including Moses, who wrote the book, you know, again, questioned God and his plan. God sent Jesus to free all who would believe, responding to his call to salvation. And the Jewish people, including the disciples, questioned God and his plan. Some of you in this room are going through stuff in your life, and you're like, God, really? Is this the thing? All right, well, stand in line. You're, there's a whole big crowd of people that had all the same questions. Matter of fact, anybody that calls himself a Christian at some point, that one of the dumbest things I always hear is, well, I know better than to question God. Yeah, right. You just told a lie. <laughs> we, we've all been there at some point. Now, now you just identified yourself as a liar, too. Uh, no, we ask questions. All right, and there's nothing wrong with that. God's not scared of our questions. He's a great big God. He, he ain't like you're, and first of all, if you think you're, if you're having those questions, it isn't like he doesn't know. He knows. We can trust God to accomplish his will in our lives, and even in, again, in, even in the face of the challenges. All right, even as we're saying bye to Robbie, we're saying bye to Adam. Look, I can, even in the hard time, the hardest things, we can trust that God is working all things for good for those called according to his purpose. Now, that's pretty hard to believe when the, the Egyptian taskmaster is beating on your back saying, I sent a thousand bricks and I want them now! That's a really hard thing to believe right then when you're getting beat down. But it's true and we're going to keep reading, and you're going to see it's true. I don't care what the circumstance is. It's really hard to believe that when it's, Joseph said, Joseph, rape me. I want that man in prison right now. And you're thrown into prison as a rapist, falsely, like Joseph was. That's really hard to believe that God's working all things for good. But again, you guys remember Joseph. Just wait till you see what God's going to do with Moses. We can turn to God with our questions, with our doubts, and with our fears. And God will never, do you understand me? This is a, I, I wish I, now that I think about it, I wish I would have put this all in bright caps and bold and red letters. We can turn to God with our questions, our doubts, our fears, and He will never never turn away from us. As long as you're turning towards Him, He will never turn away from you. Never. He didn't with Moses. He doesn't with Sean. He hasn't with John. And guess what? He's not going to do that with you either. And that's tonight's lesson. That's what I want to leave you with. I want you to understand, you guys are all going through stuff. Everybody in this room, all right? And, and I say that, there's some of you guys in this room that look to your left and your right, and you look at people and you think they're not going through stuff. You're like, man, I wish my life was perfect like their life. Their life was so great. And that same person, just for the record, is looking at you saying, man, I wish my life was like that person because their life's so great and my life's so miserable. We're all going through stuff. And my stuff might look different than your stuff. And your stuff looks different than Joe's stuff. Joe's got a lot of stuff. <laughs> We're all going through stuff, man. Every single one of us. And the truth is, we don't always have the answers, man. We don't. 
And there are times in our life where God, God's gracious and He's kind and he'll, he'll let us get a glimpse or He'll give us an answer. Sometimes He does, man. Sometimes He does. There are other times where He looks at you and says, look, I appreciate your questions. I'm asking you to trust me. Just do what I've called you to do. Amen. All right? We walk by faith, not by sight. Now, he gives us plenty to see and plenty of reason to have the faith that we have and plenty of reason that we can trust him. We've got the book. Man, you start asking people in here, they'll tell you about how the Lord has interacted in their lives. For heaven's sakes, if you pray and say, God, help me see and start looking backwards at your life, you're going to see his fingerprints everywhere. And you're going to have lots of reasons that you can say, I have a reason to trust Jesus Christ. I have a reason to trust that God is doing exactly what he said. He's working all things for good. And in the midst of my little trouble, whatever that is, and maybe it's my big trouble, you know, whatever it is, those are the times that I need to remember that. I need to remember that. And whatever that looks like for me, hey, I, Lord, I don't get this. I don't understand. But I do trust you. I know you're good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. You are good. And you are absolutely, your word is solid, it is unchanging, it is unwavering. You are the Lord, you have spoken, and you are working all things, every single thing, nothing excluded, all things for good for each and every person that you've called according to your purpose. Thank you. Father, in those areas in our life, because uh, we do, we live in a broken world. And yes, you're making it new bit by bit. But in the meantime, there's, there is some brokenness. As we navigate that, Father, help us to just believe you, to trust you, to trust you when we can see, to trust you when we can't. And to know that you're with us in the moment, that you are behind in preparation, and certainly you're ahead of us. Matter of fact, there's one day where you're coming back to get us. You've already made all the arrangements. Can't wait for that day, Lord. And Lord, thank you for the peace, the absolute peace, regardless of what's going on around us, that we can enjoy when we can rest in that truth. Thank you for taking care of us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.